Welcome to the ABCs of ASD, Understanding Autism. This is your host, Arun Dabur, and today I'm going to interview our first guest. So let's get started. Formerly an academic research writer in Los Angeles, Ms. Kaye is a mother, writer, educator, and an advocate. Inspired by her parenting journey of Sebastian, her now 25-year-old autistic son, she has published four books to date, the latest of which is Where Does My Autistic Son Belong? In addition, Ms. Kaying also conducts talks and consultations on autism, special education, and parenting. Through her website, A Mother's Wish, Ms. Kaying seeks to spread accurate insights about autism and funds programs through sales of her books and Sebastian's original artworks and his artwork-related merchandise. Welcome to the podcast, Ms. Kaying. Well, thank you for having me, Ariane. Okay. How would you describe autism? Are there any comparisons, metaphors, or real-life examples to make our viewers better understand the spectrum? Well, I think uh, a very good way of describing it really is that it is exactly a spectrum. Um, therefore, as people would say, there is uh, no one autistic kid like another. But I think the spectrum element is really important because I find myself that I'm really not the best representative of someone uh, to talk to about a person who's maybe who has Asperger's or on the mild side of the spectrum, i.e. very often these individuals are able to um, speak. They're able to function in mainstream society really well. In fact, some of them would actually do better than the neurotypical people um, in their work. Um, and also in, uh, you know, even some social aspects to some extent, though they may still be socializing in an atypical fashion. But then again, then I have my son, who's just turned 25 years old, um, though he's able to read words and write them even. He's not writing his own essays. He's not able to hold a conversation. So those are the kind of people, the autistic people that I feel that I'm better able to, to speak about. So I think one of the things I really want people to understand is, you know, autism is a, is a kind of a weird kind of beast in some regard, because to this day, I think researchers still don't have a firm understanding of what an autism is. Like, is it really a composite condition or is it more like just a cluster of symptoms um, noted for the fact of, you know, autistic people having some commonalities like heightened sensory issues um, they can hear and see and smell things in a more sensitive fashion than other people. Um, other aspects is like, yeah, challenges with socializing, uh, communications, i.e. they think differently, so therefore they act very differently from the norm, from the social normative uh, standards. So these are some of the key characteristics. But how it's manifested um, by different autistic peoples where it gets really interesting. And that's where actually that, you know, is how we should uh, try to understand instead of trying to impose our norms on them without trying to understand that they are actually trying to socialize, but they do so in a way that is very different from the rest of us. 
autism spectrum is normally considered as um, a collective and that every person um, and what you're trying to convey is that every person is and uh, in, in the um, uh, spectrum is unique in themselves i really um, it's an interesting concept of individuality um, and we have uh, we have this in neurotypicals as well that uh, people try to put uh, some people uh, people in a community together and uh, however they are very different from each other but um, people just see one thing that's common uh, in them and they think that it's um, all different and that's why uh, it's really important to have um, some sources of information like this um so so tell us about uh, your journey as a parents and parent since the time you found out about your child and how has it affected your personal and professional lives well um my journey as a mom with an autistic child started pretty early uh, my son was first diagnosed when he was just uh, 18 months old so at that point because it's still earlier than the conventional time period which is 2 years old they told me he had autistic affect which meant that he seemed very likely that he would have autism so they came to that conclusion because at that point at the age of 18 months not only did he not say anything any words he made no sounds and he also didn't do this thing like pointing which is actually something that you don't actually have to teach a child how to do he didn't point spontaneously and so in fact after meeting his milestone of walking at 11 months old he hasn't met any other milestones so um that was almost like a dead giveaway and he wasn't able to perform any of the tasks that the you know the doctor was giving him to do and so they were very alarmed by him so that was a very early start um and from then on you know he did receive quite a lot of services like behavioral therapy a uh, social skills therapy early intervention and uh yeah so over the years i just i just realized there were many things that as a parent you go through um almost the hardest part for me as a parent um was the early times the part when you are still completely new and you're just starting on this journey and you don't know what's going on you you don't know how to trust yourself um in fact the way things are common sense actually get thrown out the window because you're kind of like hey you're dealing with a condition you don't know anything about and you're counting on the professionals to tell you what you're supposed to do so you just follow it and i think that is often a common mistake that i would advise new parents not to do common sense doesn't stop just because your child has autism you know you still love your child you still want to spend time with your child your child is still a human being we still need to be open to finding out um and instead of saying oh only a professional can tell me what to do with an autistic child this is not at all at all true and if the autistic child looks distressed and is crying he is distressed it's not like oh no it's okay he's autistic that's fine you know it's like no they are distressed and the distress is a form of communication and they are even more distressed because they they don't have words so it's important for you to pay attention to all this and these were all the things that i didn't know as a new parent so and uh, when i look back on those years it's, it's very hard to realize um how distressed my son was and that i wasn't able to help him because i didn't understand what he was going through 
And when we talk about being distressed, it's like for them, their nervous system is, especially when they were young, was so you know underdeveloped that, for example, just walking out on the street, being exposed by noise and stuff because they can hear it louder than we can, it can be so overwhelming. And their only way to release the stress was by crying. And, but for me, it was like, oh my God, why is he crying? For no reason at all. And I can't handle it. And then I start crying. And then that only adds to his distress and it just goes round and round. So I think those years were very difficult. And then subsequently, um, when my son was a bit aggressive and he was 25 years old and he was pinching me and stuff, again, to release aggression that he was experiencing from school or being forced to do work that he doesn't understand. So again, these are all the elements that were difficult. Um, but then uh, not, nothing beat the puberty when uh, he just became very aggressive and he was very big and he was not listening to my rules and uh, attacking me. And again, I didn't understand. So, you know, that was hard because I saw, at that point, I had thought that I spent a lot of energy and time. I started homeschooling him for about four years, from eight years old to 12, he was really wonderful and listened to my rules and followed them and he was learning and I was teaching him things. So, I mean, then everything went just sort of, you know, combusted, erupted when he turned uh, 15 and all the hormonal changes and he was not sleeping properly anymore. He was not listening and he would just beat me up if he disagreed with me and having outbursts anywhere. I mean, those are very difficult times. And when nothing, you know, could help me figure out what was going on with my son, this was, this was very difficult. Um, you know, having to make decisions like, do I call the police? Do I get him in prison? Do I put him in a mental hospital? Well, feeling like, how can they help him? When I feel like I was the only one who really understood him. So I think this is, um, I think, being a parent of someone like an autistic kid and the fact that research is still so far behind about what autism is really about. Um, back then, especially before I met the psychologist who explained a lot of things to me about my son, it, it just felt that they are possibly the most misunderstood group of people. And our failure to properly socialize with them, understand them and communicate with them with genuine openness contribute so much to their misery, so much their outbursts, that um, this is actually part of, you know, what, why I do what I do as a parent, why I appear on this podcast, um, is to really want to share that with people so that we don't, so that we don't keep on doing the wrong things with the autistic people and contribute to their uh, unhappiness that actually do contribute to their outbursts. I mean, um, through these experiences, you gained, you really, um, I believe you really uh, thought about how you needed to learn about this uh, situation and uh, not rely on professionals, as you said. And um, we all know uh, puberty is um, a really difficult thing to go through and that too as an autistic uh, person. But um, I guess some, there's something bigger than puberty and that is a parent's love for their child. And that makes you do all the things you do. When did you start learning about autism? And uh, when did you start Google searching um, all the things in that condition and like um, re stop relying on professionals and re uh, really thought that now 
it's my time to understand this and now I've got to do this. Um, well, to be fair, the whole story is a bit complicated. I was Googling before, but I wasn't finding anything, but I guess you have to find the, you have to almost like use the correct terminology to find the right thing. Because back then I was looking for aggression, on aggression. That was yeah. the key, I thought, to understanding or finding materials. What I didn't realize until I actually did meet an enlightening professional, which then after that, if you Google the correct, the correct word, you start understanding what's going on. So what happened was that my whole crazy story was with my son was that ultimately I moved him to Bali. Um, at that point, he was 20 years old. And after five years of enduring uh, a lot of assaults, and he had become quite big, I was convinced that one day he would kill me inadvertently because he would often push me and I would fall down. And sometimes I would hit my head on the ground or on the wall. And so that was a bit scary. And uh, not to mention quite painful. <laughs> uh, and that would last for a few days. So what I did was that we moved him to Bali because we've always noticed that he's much better overseas and in nature and so and also he's actually quite a big fan of Indonesia and so we moved him there and also the intent was also to distance him away from me as an opportunity for him to grow because one of the things we also did notice was that in the last couple of years before we moved him was that he had stopped directing his aggression to anybody else it didn't matter who was the person who made him mad he would attack me because he saw me as the person who was responsible for dealing with his angry emotions. So part of the reasoning of moving him away was also to just kind of establish this boundary between him and me and so that he could understand. And then that was a way of helping him to grow up. So, and um, there is, um, yeah. yeah? Yeah. Um, that's a nice story. And uh, do you think this decision of moving him to Bali um, really helped through uh, like gr him grow up and uh, establish boundaries as well as um, as well as more well, uh, of an individual, like uh, independent individual? Well, the story is a bit more complicated because first we needed to meet somebody. We met a psychologist. Actually, rather, my son met the psychologist first. He was an Italian psychologist who uh, happened to like Bali a lot. He used to go surfing there for holidays. Hmm. And uh, so he was there on one of his trips and he decided to go to a special needs school. So my son was actually attending a free special needs school for the poor, uh, which he was the only foreigner and the school had kindly uh, <laughs> allowed Sebastian to attend it, even though he was a bit of an aberration. So he kind of stood out when the psychologist was visiting. And um, he mentioned some stuff about my son that made me feel intrigued by his work. So I actually invited him to come back to teach me. And that was when I learned a lot about my son. I learned a lot about why he was exploding and about why the way that I was treating him was inadvertently contributing him to him having explosions, i.e. I was imposing the normative ways of expectations on him, not understanding his way of communication and his need for me to understand how he communicated, which was not by words. A lot of it was by emotion, uh, by his body language. Um, and also to understand that the way he spoke, 
my son having that monotonous voice means yes. that he would always sound unfriendly <laughs> or he would always sound like he's ordering me around or anything, even when he didn't need to. So, and that very often he's reaching out to me, which I misinterpreted as, as an attempt to attack me. Wasn't an reaching out to attack me, but to reach out for help. But then when I responded by recoiling away from him or pushing him away, then would actually trigger the attack right. because he was hurt by my reaction. So there was so much that I understood that there was so much miscommunication going on. Um, and this failure to really understand how much he was suffering, even when he was back in the years when he was behaving properly, was about him suppressing his emotions, suppressing who he was. That actually kind of got unleashed when he was, when he became, you know, a teenager. And he became aware, like any teenager, right? He became more rebellious. Yeah. He became stronger and realized that, hey, why should I listen to this person? And he became much more assertive about wanting to let me understand what he was about. In fact, curiously for me at the time, just as he was deteriorating in his behavior, he was also at the same time becoming more competent, i.e. this was when he started to paint extraordinarily well. But his painting was also yet another way of him expressing himself. So his paintings was just amazing, but it was actually him unleashing his true emotions and a way of, for him to process his emotions. So the reality I learned was that autistic people had extraordinary ways of expressing themselves and communicating. And that we, by our emphasis only on that, you're only truly communicating if you are using, you know, either speech, writing, or proper like sign language. Otherwise, you're not really communicating. It's completely crazy. The truth is like we are very close-minded about how people communicate. And through this psychologist, I learned that actually autistic people try to communicate with us all the time. They use their body, they use their eyes, they use their silence, they use just so much. But we are the ones who keep shutting the doors on each one of them until eventually they don't even want to communicate with us anymore, until eventually they hit us because they are trying to get us to open our eyes to their distress and we refuse. We are frustrating in our closed-mindedness and our closedness to them. And yet we accuse them of being the ones who stay in a fortress. And so they are so misunderstood. Um, and thanks to this psychologist opening up my eyes to what my son was going through, I began to really understand and in truth, the correct word to look for, to Google, for how to connect with kids who are uh, autistic kids or exploding in aggression is not aggression. The word is anxiety. Is that actually their aggression is a way of, for them to release and express their anxiety because their entire life is full of anxiety. It's because they just live in a world that doesn't understand them. So every moment that they're awake is every moment that's filled with a potentially something scary. Like, what is this person going to expect from me? Is that person going to yell in my face because I didn't respond in the way they want me to and I don't know what they want from me? Or that I didn't say the right thing or I didn't do the right thing? Um, and the thing is, we are so in their face 
a lot of conventional methods of how we teach autistic people. It's always about like, they don't do the right thing. So we'll tell them to stop flapping their hands, to stop releasing their anxiety because the way they're doing it is not socially appropriate. So we keep on stopping them and in a most obnoxious and very offensive way, which we don't think of as being offensive. We think of that we're trying to help them behave properly. And actually we are just disrespectful. And so in the end, when the autistic people turn away from us, we always accuse them of being antisocial. So one of the things that people always say about autistic people is that they're not social. They don't like people. And now I would tell people, I said, look at the way we behave towards autistic people. Now, if you were behaved to in the same way as the way we are behaving to autistic people, now, would you want to socialize with those people? Or would you also shut yourself down? And it was a kind of like a transformative sort of thinking. And suddenly it um, really helped me to understand how distressing we, the mainstream society, have made the lives of autistic people. And this is the kind of the thinking that I want to change um, and, and spread this kind of message to change people's minds is that if we want autistic people to relate to us, we need to open our hearts, we need to open our minds, we need to broaden our imagination as to how we should properly interact with them without thinking that they need to do it a certain way.